You could be a bad student, all that, but I cannot tolerate a quitter. You can't move forward with a quitter. You can pout. I can take a Joe Hampton pouting or whatever, but once you quit, I cannot tolerate it because that's who you are. That's who you are. If you respond in a poor fashion, respond in a poor way, but you still fighting and battling, respond emotionally like, no, 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 you pout and complain, but your response to competition is, I'm going to get every rebound. I'm going still I'm trying going to get elite you. level. Elite level. I'm rolling with you. Now your response to a call because they made a bad official call, then then I just got to help correct that. But respond to quitting to competition, I can't tolerate it. Can't tolerate it. So don't quit, man. Don't quit. Keep grinding. Now listening to the duo sports and stuff podcast. Here are your hosts, Deontay Epps and Dane Beasley. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the duo sports and stuff podcast. My name is Deontay Epps joined by my best friend and co-host Dane Beasley and Dane for the fans of the hit Netflix show last chance. You, I think we got somebody pretty special on what you think. Yeah, I think so too. Very <laughs> inspirational, uh, larger, larger than life. But I'm, I'm gonna let him get to it before we, you know, gas them all up too much. I'm gonna scare them away. We are joined by Coach John Mosley of East Los Angeles College. Coach, how are you doing this afternoon? And thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, man. Hey, don't gas me up too much, man. My wife, she ain't messing with me on that. She, hey, I mess around. I tell her, I say. She called me up and I and if she say something I don't like, I'm like, hey, you know what? Go talk to my publicist now. She, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, man, hey, I always say that on the phone. If I say it in person, she gonna pop oh, me no. across my head. But uh, <laughs> but no, it's been good, man. Um, you know what? It's just a lot of people have reached out and have been inspired and encouraged. I had no idea. I thought I was just gonna get a call from the homies and it was gonna be like, hey man, I saw you on TV. I'm like, oh yeah, you did. Yeah. But now it's like everybody, it's like all over the world, didn't realize it was going to be that way. So just the reactions and the response and just all the people that I've spoken to, uh, I didn't realize, man, that it was it was going to have that that level of impact. I thought they were going to say, man, he crazy, man, talking to them kids like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you touched on a little bit in the intro right there. What has it been like for you, your family, even your players on the team now and when the show was airing? since it aired on Netflix? Well, I guess what's important now to everybody is like followers, right? So, you know, I was never on social media. Like I sent out my first tweet like four weeks ago. Like, <laughs> you know, hey, I'm going to be on the show and, and Instagram and I joined it. And now it's like thousands and thousands of followers. I used to tease people about social media and following like, man, you guys are superficial, man. Who wants their life on display? And then here I go, going as docuseries and now everybody sees everything you know um but it, it's kind of changed in the sense that that I, there's a lot of people saying that okay mostly that message that you share with those young men that's an important message that's what i've seen most out of it the players who lives uh and, and this is not just for us man but there's a lot of young men at the community college level it, not just in our state but all over man that these are the same stories so these guys, they had an impact and made an impression on our culture, the basketball culture and Netflix because of their stories and how they turned it around. 
But these stories are going on all the time. And we got to realize that we, we, we got to be patient with young men. We got to, you know, see the good in others and, and try to, what can we do to make a difference and impact in lives? It doesn't mean you, you do what I do, um, but figure out a way where you can help and not stereotype the young men. So that, that was good to see that everybody can see that, that, that there's diamonds in everybody, man. That, that was mm-hmm. the best part. And to see how the story is kind of a roller coaster and then to see the outcomes that there, there more often than not that there could be outcomes. Um, but for me, yeah, man, I got to now I got to spend an hour or so looking at stinking social media and <laughs> retweet like that, that's dude, that's pretty stressful. Yeah. Like you got to <laughs> tweet the right thing. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm sitting over here tweeting and then I erase it and then I like, no, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> you know, post the right Instagram. Spreading lightly, yeah. Yeah, and then I'm looking at Instagram, and and it's like it's different than Twitter. And then I already had a LinkedIn. That's what I had, LinkedIn. But that was, like, professional. Right. I got to, you know, I'm trying to start shooting shirt and tie in case, you know, I'm a college professor. That was a little different. But I'm like, man, this is too much. I, I got a headache. So it's like a little the little taste of fame kind of pushed you into social media. You weren't really aware of. Yes. And now I got, now I'm like, I got a website that I'm working on. And then there's uh, this book that I'm working on. I'm supposed to be starting this weekend. Like, okay, we got a two, three hour session. We got to work on this book. And I'm like, this is added, you know, time that, that uh, adds to, uh, to my life. So that, that's, that's where it's at. But you know what? I, I knew that it would come to this. And so, I, I figured I never wanted to put myself out there like this unless it, I had the opportunity to control the platform. So, which I did, you know, I, I said, I'm not going to do social media. I'm not going to do anything until I can control the platform. And then when I get the platform, the good that I do, m- my spirit and my intentions come out on the platform. And so my intentions did come out, you know, so I don't want to get on a platform and then, you know, you don't have these great intentions and then you don't do good for anybody. You know, sometimes we get a platform and we don't do any good. But if I'm going to have a platform, then I'm going to have to do good and I'm going to have to inspire. And so I said, so now I'm like, okay, now I got to go all out. Here I am. And I, and I did say I never wanted to have social media like that because what if I want to be the president one day? <laughs> I always say I'm going to be the next Obama, Barack Obama, you know. So I need to make sure I got it. I keep a clean slate. Clean it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hear you. I read an article from The Wrap, and you kind of touched about it on that answer right there. When Netflix came to you guys about doing the show this season at, at your school, following your season, you were kind of hesitant about that. What 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 kind of changed your mind to say, okay, I think this is right for us. I think we should go ahead and do this. So I get a cold call, and it's left on my voicemail. His name is Lucas Smith. He's a executive director, I believe. And he's like, Hey, Mosley, uh, you know, sharing with me the pitch about the show and what would I, would I like to have a conversation? And yeah, I'll have a conversation about anything, but I'm like, man, I'm not doing that, man. You're not coming in here with cameras. And sincerely, I'm like, dude, I'm about these kids. I don't care about none of that show and television. And I'm about the kids, man. And you know, y'all don't want no part of this because this is sincere. This is not a show here. Right. Uh, so I started asking a few people and some shared the same sentiment. Like, yeah, man, it's just about, you know, it's about the kids. We don't need to show. It'll look like Mosley's trying to be a Hollywood star or something. So that's how I feel. But then my athletic director, he shares with me. He says, hey, man, no, you got to do it. Now, he's a football guy, coach football. 
He says, yeah, you got to do it. And I'm thinking like, ah, okay. And what's crazy is when I did it, he said, oh, I wouldn't have never done that, right? So that was funny. But what kind of really changed my mind, I'm in Dallas, me and a good friend of mine, he coaches in junior college basketball out here. We compete every year. His name is Quincy Brewer. So he says, I, I, I whispered to him, hey, man, I got to decide on this opportunity in the next week or so. Um, what do you think, man? Don't you think this is a little superficial to try to do some documentary and all that? And he's, he said, man, you got to do it, man. You got to show what we're doing. You got to show what you're doing. And, and I said, man, but how about if I do something that's not, you know, I said, no, nah, man, how you living your life out, how you do it, man, you're going to be fine. You need to do it. And I was like, all right. I immediately walk outside and I'm literally at this showcase supporting one of my players in the summer. And I walk out and I call my pastor and my pastor, I'm assuming, let me hurry up and get this over with. So he's going to tell me, nah, it's not a good idea. We're not Hollywood up in here. We just serve God. And we just, you know, we make sure we do minister. And I'm taking on the mindset that, you know, whatever we do with closed doors, we don't want to do, we don't want to share our mission. We don't want to share that we're doing good out in the open and say, hey, look what I'm doing. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that we're rewarded. That's our reward right there. That's what scripture says. If, if we get rewarded openly for what we do right there in that moment, then that's our reward. But if we go in, 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 in closed doors and we do work behind the scenes, then God is going to reward us in heaven. And we're going to have a greater reward if we don't look for credit right away. So I'm taking on that mindset. You know, but then, you know, my pastor, he comes, he says, no, nah, I think you need to show what, what God is doing and how he's, how about if I do something wrong and I get fired? He said, you're not because the way you live your life, you live your life out on camera. And then he says, you continue to minister. And if if the doors get closed because they don't like something you did, then God opened something else up. So uh, when I heard that, I was like, okay, I, I guess I got, I guess <laughs> I got to do it. And it, once I'm in, I'm all in, and and I just went all in with energy, with effort, with everything, and I was authentic. And I think uh, the authenticity um, it kind of drew the the viewers as well. We we know we didn't it didn't take us long to realize that your foundation was rooted in the faith, and we admire and respect that. And we know that throughout the course of the season, through its challenges and everything, and even with COVID, how did that m- mentality? Uh, how did that change or how did that affect your mentality as COVID-19 is approaching and, and how much of that faith was was even more of a steering wheel to help you drive your students where you needed to get them to? Yeah, well, so, you know, the running joke is we make our plans and then God laughs, right? So mm. we, we plan everything and then God laughs because ultimately God is sovereign. He has a plan in place. But we have to continue to take a step forward towards a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, God, at the end, he'll have the final say-so. But he to make sure that we're up and we're running and we're moving towards a goal, a career, something where we can better please and glorify God. That's the purpose. So um, in no way, form, shape, or fashion do I believe that uh, if I work towards that goal, that God, that it's, it's going to absolutely happen every time. I believe if you work towards it and you do what you're supposed to do, it will happen. But God is sovereign. And so uh, I think I had to, sometimes you can't overdo it. You can't shove, I can't shove what I believe down people's throat, you know? And I don't do that. And I don't think I came came across as that. But when there's a moment where young men or anybody who I come across, 
They have a moment of weakness and they're looking for answers. The answers that I have come from my faith. That's that my answer. My answer is God is sovereign and God has a plan. And so whatever happens, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and called according to his purpose. So whatever happens, happens for a reason and God ha is sovereign. And what we sometimes think is, is not good can end up being good for us. It may be the adversity we need to go through to help us, you know, turn out better. We may need that adversity. We may need that, that failure, or we may need that disappointment to help us get stronger, or it may help us to draw nearer to him. So that's, that's how uh, that, that plays out. And, you know, a lot of times they, tr there's some that continue to mock, well, he prayed, God, let him win or whatever, you know, and they didn't win and it didn't happen. And, you know, Bible also says, don't be deceived. He's not mocked. You know, God is, he has this, he has this perfect plan in place. And we have all these, these small uh, successes and failures, but in the end, we ultimately are going to triumph and we're ultimately going to win. When we talk about winning the race and the races in the Bible, uh, when you're in a race, most of the time, the, uh, as you watch the same boats, he was one of the worst starters. He was never in, in, in first when he started, you know, and part of that is because how he was built, his body, and to be able to get up and to start to rise up. But as he started to gradually rise up because of his posture and his length, he ended up winning races and because of his, his fast switch. So that's the kind of the analogy we like to go through. And I share with our guys that like, hey, you, you won. And I don't mean to be cliche about it. You know, everybody at the end said, you guys are winners in my book. You know what I'm saying? It's so corny. Every year the coach, when they lose that final game, right? You guys are winners in my book. And I'm so proud of you. You know, and most of the time the coaches in their minds like, shoot, I'm so proud of you. But shoot, if you would have got the rebound, if you would have did what I told you to do, we wouldn't be sitting here. But I really felt that they were winners because they had all culminated at the end. They had all figured it out. And, and I said it, I said, if this is the end, if this is the end, you won, you know, they, 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 if they made it the end if the coronavirus made it the end, you guys won. And we reached our goals. We accomplished everything we needed to accomplish. And just cause we didn't win a, the, you know, we didn't go win the last game. Hey, we didn't lose the last game, but you know what I'm saying? Just because we didn't, we don't have state championship across our chest. It doesn't mean that you lost and they won and they we've accomplished everything that we were supposed to accomplish. God just designed it that way so that these guys, it can better prepare them for something else. And so he's sovereign. And that's just the approach I take. Now, you don't have to believe that. And you can believe, well, this is just going to make me a better person because I went through this and that's fine. But ultimately, I know the creator has control of everything and it's, it's sovereign so that we can all get through some. I mean, we're sitting on Zoom. And we, we've, we've turned all technology savvy and everything is all technology uh, technology now. I mean, so there's reasons for everything. Along with that, uh, I want to piggyback off of that. One of the most powerful, and to me at least, one of the most powerful moments came in episode four when you were talking to the guys uh, about uh, the sacrifices that you've made as a coach as well. You know, not only them putting stuff on the line, but you putting stuff on the line too, you know, with spending time with your family and things like that. So when you were speaking to them, did that moment resonate with you more in that moment or afterwards when you got a chance to look at it uh, after the show had finished wrapping up? That's a good question. It, it was after when I watched it. And then mm. I see the response from everybody else like, man, 
that was powerful. And I'm sitting over here like, dude, I say that stuff all the time, you know? <laughs> like, you know, I, I probably said stuff similar three or four more times in that the camera got and made him put in. But I'm thinking like, and then I'm looking at tweets from everybody, all these NBA players talking about, man, Coach Mosley's powerful. That's powerful. And I'm thinking like, yeah, that, yeah, it kind of hit me afterwards. But that's the message that I'm sharing with my guys. And I think our guys have success and why, why we're – that's the message we need to have. You know what? That's the message that a lot of community college coaches are having or junior college or coaches in general are having. They just captured that moment and they – and and the film was able to put it together to where where it was magnified, man, and where it where it resonated more. And it was it was awesome how they did that. Uh, that's where my heart is, man. That's what I'm sharing with them. And and I cleared this up. I want to clear this up because I think somebody it, it was like maybe one out of a thousand, you know. And don't you guys let you guys know I. I got right. a heart out there. I'm trying to get through all the messages, but I just can't respond to them. But as <laughs> you know, I looked through some of the, most of the messages, right? Like I said, that's causing some issues too. But I looked through some, some most, most of the messages. One of the messages that comes back is, well, that's his job. So why is he throwing the kids and saying that, that he's making a sacrifice? Well, no, no doubt. That is my job. Um, that's my job. So but this, the kid's job is to come in here, but it's my job. And I'm sharing with you, like, look at what I'm losing uh, out on because of the job. You know what I'm saying? Look at what I'm losing out on and, and creating this extra, the extra stuff, creating a program. We could be gone and I could have made it to my son's game. You know, I could not have practice on Saturdays or Sundays. And, oh, that's all the weekend where I can take my daughter and help her work out and my other daughter and work out. I can do all those things when, you know, if, if I didn't, you know what I'm right. saying, uh, do the extra. And that's the commitment. That's the commitment that I'm making. You guys quiet down. So, I mean, ultimately, that's that's something that that uh, I think all of us coaches are going through. And, yeah, just because, you know, I was, a, you know, just because I am working, that is my work, I am making a sacrifice. kind of see in today's generation especially we'll see we see it a lot with the NCAA transfers players moving from here and obviously a lot of reasons are an opportunity for them to grow start anything compete like that but kind of like the commitment issue as far as sticking through it fighting through adversity like you mentioned is that do you agree that there's like some kind of disconnect there in this generation with committing to something and sticking it through yeah that's the biggest that's the biggest fight is the commitment level right. and no offense to what's going on in the NBA now, but I think yeah. our transfer portal and the NCAA it's uh, it's, it's starting to trickle down from the NBA and everybody's just jumping around and trying to find the best, you know, let's, let me go hang out with my homies instead of some level of commitment 
to say, hey, let me just grind it out and deal with the adversity. Um, but we've given our this generation an opportunity, uh, and not only just this generation, but all the interest groups. You know, our society is that way now. Like everybody, we, we got to be sensitive to everybody and every group. And we're losing some of the American fabric. And I know we've been insensitive. You know, we've had some leaders that have been insensitive in society. You know, there's been some insensitive. But at the same time, our, our American values didn't start off of being sensitive. You know, it, 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 was, it was core values. We had several core values that we stuck with. And now we're kind of all over the place and letting everybody say what they want to say and do what they want to do. And that's just my opinion. I probably shouldn't drift too far off in there. And everybody has started, well, what do you mean? And what are you talking about? <laughs> then you're going to have more oh. tweets to fight through. And, oh, and so <laughs> let me just jump off of that. But uh, I will say it's a little uh, sensitive and we have to have a little of a, a, a little bit better level of commitment, whether and then jumping out there and say, hey, you have to uh, you have to feel for the people who wants to shed a tear because his shoes are unlaced. Well, you know, you got to feel for the people who want their shoes unlaced. Why, why, why don't we support those people? Well, in my program, shoes unlaced means you, you won't be able to perform as well and you can get hurt, you know, mm-hmm. but we, we're being sensitive to the group. Now there's an interest group because, well, if the kid wants to play with his shoes unlaced then he should be able to play with his shoes unlaced. And if I speak against that, now there's something wrong with me. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's our culture now. Now we can make up something we want to speak, you know, up against. And so that's created this movement where now everybody has a voice uh, that shouldn't. Or or everybody has a voice that they're not ready to speak out on, on mature or some issues. You're not ready to speak out on. Now, a voice of crying out voice uh, asking for help, that's one thing. But crying out for some other logic that doesn't make sense we got too many voices right now and we kind of need to, we need to kind of narrow, narrow them down or condense all these voices and figure out what the real message is, what our true core values should be here, you know, in our country and in our culture, not only that, in our young people, African-American culture and the basketball culture, we need to figure out, you know, cause we got so many voices all over the place. Everybody's got a voice now billions with social media has a voice. First, there was only one message coming through media, television media, our newspapers. But now we got billions of messages going out. And if we like a tweet, that tweet will get retweeted. That message will get re-messaged. And now you got someone who's 10 years old who sends out a message about how we need to change our country. Maybe they're not ready for that message, but they just like the the, uh, controversy so now the message is popular because people like the controversy instead of really like understanding that the message can be catastrophic. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really tough. I think our culture with the transfers and stuff is really, it's really hurting. It trickles down everywhere and, and they feel a sense of entitlement. Like, okay, if the coach yells at me now, then I'm transferring, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we've done a good job where I think, we've we've shown our kids that we love them. We're compassionate enough that if I hit you real hard, if I punch you in the mouth about our culture and about what we want to do, and you see the success we're having that you just buy in, 
And then I think the, the, the young men, they kind of, they, they, they cling to it if they really want to be successful because they know we really care and that we, that we sincere and we have a relationship. And that's really what we can do. If we can continue to build those relationships, man, and get close with them, then I don't see them stepping out and jumping out and transferring. We've been, it's been minimal with us because they see, you know, we do have a carrot that they want. They want playing time. They want scholarships. So we have that carrot and they know we have that reputation of getting them through. Um, so those young men, man, they they uh, they kind of cling to us and we haven't had much, but just a small percentage. Um, but it, it's just where our culture is, you know, and it's having it's, a, it's that family dynamic as well. I mean, my dad wouldn't let me quit. I remember I was sitting on the bench in college. I wanted my dad to go cuss out the coach like some of the other dads, uh-huh. you know, like, yeah, man, he not playing me. I should be starting and da da da. And then he was like, well, man, boy, just get your education. You there. I'm looking at my pops like, man, like, what are you talking about? You my dad, you're supposed to go in there and call a coach up and right. say, why my, my son not playing? Well, what happened with that? That, that? Those are things that changed my life, too. Like I shared, I think, when he told me, hey, you're not, you're not good enough. And they didn't finish the story. They made me sound like a bum. <laughs> the coach was saying, you're not good enough right now. And here's some things you need to change. So I shared that, but they cut that out, you know, <laughs> like I was a bum. So, but I went and changed those things. And then after I changed them, I ended up playing, I ended up starting. But what happened is my father told me, well, what you have, you make the best of what you have. And I'm like, man, that's not the answer I wanted to hear. Like, what are you talking about, Pops? You're supposed to go say that, don't you see my son? He's doing this. He's the hardest worker. He could do this. He could do that. And you know, my dad could have been right about it. Right. But what it did is it forced me to focus on what the coach wanted. And it was like, all right, if he really wants, so if I really want, it didn't force me to give up or complain. And then somebody go help me complain. I've complained to my pops. My, my pops was like, man, cut that, bro. He was like, that's on you. You need to do this. And then when that happened, now it made me be a, you know, it made me be tougher. I don't want to, you know, I may offend somebody if it says maybe be a man and made me, grow up and say just fighting through adversity right yeah let me handle it this adversity let me accept the responsibility right here of what i need to do the responsibility is find out what i need to do to play that's what i did because so i had the conversation with my dad and then he says you need to go talk find out what you need to do man get your education so my next step was let me go be a man and talk to the coach so instead of my dad talking to the coach, I manned up. I talked to the coach because I, that was the positive reinforcement that I need. Talk to the coach. He says, you're not good enough because you're not doing these things. And I was like, wow, that hit me like a ton of bricks. I had to be good enough, you know, why, if I wanted to play. You know why? I had nowhere else to go. No mm-hmm. shoulder to cry on. Because the shoulder to cry on was my dad. He turned me back around and said, nope, you go back and you handle it. You go back and handle it. I told the coach that. So guess what? The coach tells me you're not good enough. You need to do these things. What did I have to do? I had to do those things. And guess what? When I did those things, I was playing. And guess what? I started. And guess what? I changed the outcome of the team, not only the way that he wanted me to, but the way I saw it. First, I only saw the way I was going to change the team. And so I'm trying to sell that. Why I'm not playing? I could do this. I could do that. And da 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 but I needed to do what he wanted me to do. And then now my, his vision and my vision together, it, it was displayed. And actually I helped the team, but I couldn't help the team until I locked into what he wanted me to do. 
And then I ended up playing and, it, and success happens. And that's what we're missing is we're, we're being coddled and saying, yeah, because I want to express myself, forget the coach's vision, because I want to express what I want to do. Uh-huh. That's where we're going. And I don't, and that's what's happening because I want to express, I have a right to express what I want to express, express how I want to play and who I am that forget the coach. I'm more of value. Now in the NBA is totally different because that's a business. The market plan is totally different, but what happens is we're seeing the NBA where the, where a lot of the, Players are controlling the NBA, and rightfully so. It's a stars league, and it's a it's it's an entertainment league. This league is not basketball is not an inter, uh, college basketball is not an entertainment league. It, it's used for entertainment, but it's not mm-hmm. an entertainment league. It's about uh, the value of winning and those different type types of things. But that's where we're at. As you talk about our society and our culture, where we're at, uh, just like what you want to disregard what the coach's vision is because of your vision. Um, there's supposed to be a perfect marriage there. And there are some cases where, where you should, you know, look at other opportunities, but I think it's just too much right now. It's too much in our culture. We saw how the pandemic uh, impacted your team. And are there any type of words of encouragement that you could provide to perhaps like any high schoolers, any other potential JUCO student athletes that may have lost hope? Well, the, the number one thing is we, we all have gone through the adversity. Everybody in the world has gone through it. Uh, some of us a little bit tougher, a little bit more, but how we come out of it, how we respond out of it is going to be important. And it, it, what's tough is going to be not just our players, but how is our country going to respond out of it? So uh, we're all in the same boat. You can only control what you can control. And that's, uh, we've had an opportunity to get better in different ways. So with whatever way that you can control and you can get better, that's what you got to do. And, I take this year, my son did a phenomenal job as a freshman in high school, played on the team that went to the state championship. He got a chance to play. Now he comes into his sophomore year of basketball. Well, you know what? He's playing in the second toughest league in California, and it's a monster. All the seniors are gone, and it's like he's got to step into a leadership role as a 10th grader in the toughest league in California, second toughest. Now, had we not had the pandemic where I can get one-on-one ex- and work with him and grind with him, he's mm-hmm. better prepared. So we got to look at it and take, what can we do to get better and not just sit around and lay around and pout uh, and complain about what you don't have and take a look at what you do have. And we got to kind of, kind of grab hold of that. We got to make sure that we stay dreamers, man. Keep that dream in your mind. I think that's something that I've had that no matter how the days look dark and how things look bad, there's a picture in my mind. When I close my eyes, there's a picture of how I see myself. And as you see yourself, now you have to be honest. Don't say you're about to, you know, if you're five foot two and and you know you're not going to grow anymore, (laughs) don't picture yourself like LeBron James. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't do that. That's that's a a false sense of, of hope. Picture yourself where you actually can be and beyond that, where you actually can be. Attainable goals. I actually picture myself where I can be. And then I take that picture and you don't, you don't lose sight of that picture. And as you, you keep fighting and sometimes that picture gets them, man, but you got to keep your eyes on that picture and you know that you're capable. And so you got to keep it and you got to keep grinding. And I'm never 
met or seen anybody who has grinded, 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 and then not in, uh, result in any positive outcome. So you can grind, 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 and maybe you don't get to that picture, but just short of that picture is great too. You know, we grinded and we didn't get to the picture of winning the state championship, but just short of that, the guy, the outcomes is the guys got scholarships. They moved on. They feel good about themselves. And we had a good showing on, on, on the docuseries. So you most of the time I never get to that picture, but I get in a space to where another dream becomes reality. If we keep going. So you just can't quit and you can't give up. Uh, if, if you ask me about any player that I would say you can't be on my team, and that's a quitter. And that's the number one. That's probably the only rule I have. You could be the worst. You could take a bad shot. You could be a bad student, all that. But I cannot tolerate a quitter. You can't move forward with a quitter. You can pout. I can take a Joe Hampton pouting or whatever. But once you quit, I cannot tolerate it because that's who you are. That's who you are. If you respond in a poor fashion, respond in a poor way, but you still fighting and battling, respond emotionally like, no, 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 you probably complain, but your response to competition is, I'm going to get every rebound. I'm going still I'm trying going to get elite you. level. Elite level. I'm rolling with you. Now your response to a call because they made a bad official call, then, then I just got to help correct that. But respond to quitting to competition, I can't tolerate it. Can't tolerate. So don't quit, man. Don't quit. Keep grinding. ELAC is who you are. You played there, of course. And now as a coach, you brought extreme and high success to the program. Could you ever, ever see yourself making that leap to a big division one program if the opportunity presented itself? Yeah, I mentioned before it, if, if, you know, never take for me is never taking money over the mission, you know, or never taking money over the message. So if I can continue to do what I'm doing, um, you know, in terms of sincerely being engaged in lives and, you know, being competitive and all that, and, and it's at the next level, then, then I'm, I'm definitely, I'll look at it. But what happens when you take it to the division one level, like the big division one schools, what happens is there's a lot of value on winning. Okay. Now I want to win and I'm going to win and try to win uh, at any level I go to. But now when you know that if in order to feed my family, I have to win. Now, sometimes you start to lose focus on uh, the engaging in the player to, to win. So in order to win in junior college basketball right now, I try to win through investing in the young men's lives and getting them to see how important winning is. Right now, there's coaches at the university level. They do a great job at it. And I'm, you know. But I'm just saying, if I get there, am I really sure uh, for myself that I'll be so vested in the ministry in their lives? I don't want to lose sight of that. Maybe it could happen. 
Um, but I don't want to lose sight of that. And I see, I, I, I can see myself slipping up, consumed with, I got to win games. Otherwise, I won't be able to feed my family. Because really, at the next level, you have to win to keep your job. You know, you have to win. And those coaches there, they do a good job of doing it. And there's coaches that have done it. They have longevity because um, they have done it. You know, Mike Krzyzewski and Izzo, they, you know, you hear their former players saying they were invested in their lives and and that helped them win and have success. And that's the reason why the program continues to go on. So it can happen. But I know right now there's a ministry and, and I can speak directly to them. There's less of, of this right here, right? Right. And everything I'm doing, I'm spending the day from, you know, five or six in the morning, waking up, getting through school every day. And then as the, we showed in the first episode, I walk up on Deshaun. I walked, that was like eight or nine o'clock at night. I was in the office and Deshaun was in there watching anime or something, you know, and I walked in on him and we had a little conversation. So uh, at the division one level or at the higher levels, there's more that I would have to do in terms of, uh, of that, at the university that would take me away from that. And, and uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a faculty member now, so I make a decent salary now. So, um, and my wife's a teacher to move our family and do all that. That'd be a life shift. I won't be able to spend time with my kids anymore. You know, I shared one of the toughest moments is when my daughter, she was like five or six and I had my bags coming off the road. And she said, you're staying at our house. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I bought this out, paid for this house. You know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, man, whatever God has never say never, but ultimately I'm good right now. And you'd have to pursue me. You, you won't find me chasing. Like I'm not going to be running around at the final four, you know, try to job hunt. You got to chase me and really say, Hey, we really feel like you'd have an impact at this level, at this place. And we're going to support your, your mission. And then I'm, I'll be all on board. In the process of watching the show, we got to learn a lot about the players and a lot about you. So as a viewer, what's one thing that we wouldn't know about you by watching the show? Oh man. It, it, you saw a lot, man. You saw a lot. I don't know. I think I'm a I'm a clown. I'm a comedian. I actually tried to do some stand up back in the day. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I was like at uh, one of those clubs in L.A. off Crenshaw. It's not there anymore with J. Anthony Brown, and mm-hmm. uh, we did that. Something you know, yeah, I tried to do acting. So <laughs> I went from. So here's the thing, man. I went from, uh, and if you really dig, you can find that stuff. But I went from I, I've kept myself out of the limelight so much because when I was younger, I wanted a lot of attention and I was trying to be a character. I was the class clown. I was just everything. I was getting in trouble. I was mischievous. I was just full of energy. I was the bad kid. I was all that. Right. And my parents had a tough time. I ended up making it through. But then because of my faith, I realized that some of the issues that I was having and I needed to be a little bit more humble in life. And so I kind of drew myself back and I started to take away, uh, you know, wanting to be famous, wanted to be the spotlight, wanting this and that. And what's crazy is now God full circle. He says, okay, now you prepare for, for this because you are sharing the right message. But um, I didn't want any of that. Uh, I mean, I, I want that, but before that, man, I was trying to do everything, man. I was doing movies. I was doing, I was an extra comedy. I did modeling. I did. And you know, LA, I'm in Hollywood, man. So I had access to what what movie were you extra in? Hey, so look, let me tell you something. <laughs> Here we go. Here, I was really good in the movie with Naked Gun 33 and a third, Leslie Nelson, 
OJ Simpson, right? Wow. There's a a jail scene and I got a beanie on. I'm like the only one with a beanie. And I'm like several parts. So I guess my my first speaking part, Leslie Nelson stands up. He said, what are we? Or something. I forgot what he said. And I said, and then the camera shot on me. So this is my claim to fame. The, the, we were, they were doing the shoot over and over again. And I'm just like, we're in a, in a, in a jail scene where there's, where we're eating food and there's this food fight and I was way in the back and I was, but I was into it. Mm-hmm. I was all like, huh, you know, into it. They stopped the camera. Okay. The director walks back there and he grabs me out. of. It's like a hundred people in there. And he walks and grabs me. He said, this guy right here, he puts me right in the front. <laughs> and Let's then, go. I was like, woo, like, and it was like me and my buddy. And I'm thinking like, woo, I'm, I'm about to make it. I'm about to do it. <laughs> and so they say some part and I say, huh? You know, something weird, like, huh? You know, and those movies were like, like kind of, uh, kind of slap dick movies, you know, where you kind of joke, you know. And so I was acting that way. And I was playing the role, and I was so. That, so you'll see me in there real good. Naked Gun, thirty three, there. You go to the jail scene. I was in, dude. I was in Aaliyah's first video, back and forth video. Oh wow! And so I was in that. I was in that video, her first video, right? This is when I didn't know she was going to be Aaliyah. I'm just like, oh, this is this thirteen year old. Her song, you want to be in a video? Yeah. So R. Kelly did the same thing. He said, "You come up to." He was calling people who was grooving to the back, back and forth, you know, who was grooving, right? And I was one, I was into it knowing the cameras was way up there and he pulled me and put me in the front. Now, a lot of people get me mixed up because Aaliyah's brother, we kind of looked similar, but I had a vest on with, with the Kango turned back. You remember them days? Oh yeah, I, I got to go watch it now. Yeah, Fresh I had a suede vest. I had some jeans with some Timberlands on, right? Uh, and I went hey. back, back and forth and you can beg see me in the back. And we were in the gym and what's cold about that, that was in between me transferring and I didn't go division one mm-hmm. because I had a class to finish and here I am trying to finish a class, but I'm doing videos, you know, and that's why <laughs> I ended up at a NAI school, you know, cause I'm, I'm trying to do too much. Trying to get your acting career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm right there going back, back. And I got the brim on. So that was a moment. Uh, uh, yeah, man, I was in a, uh, Beverly Hills Cop 3, you know. Uh, I, I Let me tell you something. I got a quick one on that one. And I know he don't remember, but my claim to fame, they barely can see me, but here's what my claim to fame was. Okay. On that set, uh, we were in the funeral scene at the beginning. Eddie Murphy's up in the front, like, you know, they're crying tears in the front. We're in the back just standing. I got a black trench coat on like I'm, so, you know, during takes, man, it's like this stuff takes hours, right? So I'm standing back there. Uh, Al Green is singing Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. So Al Green is up there singing. And he kept messing, like he kept, his voice kept cracking and messing up, right? So they have to keep retaking it. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was a great imitator. So like everybody talks, and I'm part of that imitation that the players did in the show that mm-hmm. I, I told them to do because I used to imitate coaches back in the day. <laughs> so I wanted the players to imitate me and let's do imitations or whatever. So I was a great imitator when Al Green did that. And then during takes, I was, I was like imitating him cracking and everybody was looking 
And then Eddie Murphy looked back and he heard it and he go, <laughs> So I was like, man, I made Eddie Murphy crack a smile or whatever. And, you know, I don't know if you remember that, but I remember that take, man, Al Green couldn't get it right. And I don't even, I can't even remember when we did Amazing Grace, but he couldn't get it right because he kept cracking. He kept, <clears throat> they had to bring in water and all that. And so I was just joking. And I said, man, he can't get it right. You know, so, but anyway, man, so I'd say that to say, I, I wanted that life. And then when when I, I drew closer to God and I realized, you know what, man, I need to serve others. It's not about me. And let me take this shine off of me. And then it goes full circle how God say, okay, I think you're ready for a platform now. Because if I want, if I got a platform before, man, psh, no telling, man, it would have been all about me. All been, <laughs> yeah. And now it's like, I'm trying to take the shine off of me and give it to, you know, all praise be to God, because, you know, I wouldn't be where I was, where I am if it wasn't for him. Anything, all the blessings that go on in our program, I tell, I say, my obedience covers our, our guys. And at any moment, man, I can have a season that's one in 29, you know, but I think the obedient and God continues to honor the program. He continues to honor me and my family. Hey, if I didn't find faith, I wouldn't have a beautiful family and wife. I'd have been out there, man, just a straight savage. Which, you know, I'm trying to tell my players not to be savages and I tell them being single is overrated and get married. And, you know, my life has completely changed because I took a, I took, took it off of me and I took on, try to take on the likeness of, of, of Christ in the sense that I want to serve others. And so if you're thinking about others more than yourself, then, then of course you don't want all of the, the, the limelight. And I think we got to take on that servant leadership mentality and, um, you know, once John Mosley starts to come out, then that's when things don't work out. You know, if John Mosley comes out, it doesn't work out. But if the if the the Holy Spirit, the servant, the the servant attitude, and the servant servant leadership comes out, then that's when that's when things become elevated. You know, uh, that's when God becomes elevated when I'm glorifying Him. You know, uh, it's, the Bible says, "Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He'll lift you up." So if I humble myself, He'll lift me up. And like Paul says, uh, in in my strength. Uh, your, your, um, your strength is made, your strength is shown through my, my weaknesses. So, uh, when I'm weak, you're strong. So the only way God can show strong, show himself strong is if I can take a back seat and then now he can step in and elevate me. You know what I'm saying? But if I'm elevating myself, all I can do is elevate myself. I'm nobody. But if I take yeah. a step back and allow God to elevate me, there's no telling where he'll take it. Coach, we appreciate you so much. A few more questions. These ones will come from the people that listen to our podcast. We gave them the opportunity to send questions for you. So Dane is going to kick us off with the first one. I'm just going to preface the question with my household, my wife and I, we are Joe Hampton stands. Like we love Joe. Like he was seeing his growth from episode one to the end was, was great. You know, just to see just how much ownership he took and accountability took it just for him to get to that point was awesome. That being said, was there ever a point in time where you or even teammates of the, or members of the team were like, you know what, we need to move past Joe because of X, Y, Z? Yes, uh-huh. of course. It, and it does. It takes a village. So there were times where I'd be like, man, you know what, coach, I can't deal with this. Mm-hmm. And it takes a support system. So I got Coach Ken. I got Coach Hunter to remind me as well. But that's why it's important when you when when we have these leadership positions, you have the support around you uh, that help you in this leadership moments, you know, just like at home, I got my wife to support. We're like-minded. So, you know, when we don't want to deal with our kids, we both got this, we got her side and my side, just the same with our coaches. 
they had, we share the same philosophy. And it's important that when you get a coaching staff that, that you understand that so that we can support uh, each other and the decisions. And they help keep me on track too. Coach Ken and Coach Hunter help keep me on track. They'll tell me like, Coach, now we don't need to do that. We need to do this. You know, it's up to me to take in that and accept it and say, you know what? They sound like me. I need to listen to them versus me getting upset or being emotional like, you know, like the players and saying, no, forget that. I'm not dealing with that. And, you know, you need a coaching staff to say, hey, coach, Joe's having a bad day because X, Y, Z, this is happening. And to be able to understand what's going on in these young men's lives. So, yeah, there becomes a point where you want to. But I also see myself. I see myself in these young men. And so I see I acted the same way. So I realized I got to find out what's going on and what's causing them to react that certain way. And so we don't want to you know, stereotype. And, and you realize that this may be their last chance. So I, I, I do have to, there's a sense of toleration. And then you got to have a support group that shares the same like-mindedness so we can all stay on track to help these young men through. And of course it is final four weekend. And so one of our questions is out of the four teams left, who do you have taken it all? And, I, and I'll say tread lightly because I graduated from one of the schools. I ain't gonna let you know to answer. <laughs> well, here's here's what I'm going to say. I'm an LA guy. I'm an LA guy. So anybody from LA, I'm, I'm going to say, I, they, you know, I'm representing. Now, you, if you had a bunch of LAs, then that's a different conversation. Like, and I almost did. Yeah. Yeah. I say this lightly because, you know, my wife, she graduated from USC. So okay. I got to say it quietly that I'm going <laughs> for UCLA because that ain't no joke, man. My wife, she don't have to watch a game, but if I'm sitting there watching UCLA or say, she's going off on me. Like, what are you doing? Right. Like, you know, she don't even know the scores or nothing, <laughs> but no, I better not say anything to UCLA. But anyway, I'm supporting UCLA. I like what they're doing. Uh, I got a connection to almost everybody, man, in terms of spoken and recruitment or anything with their staffs. I love Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga right now, man, is playing the best. Those guys are like, yeah. they're like a Euro team. Yes. They're like a young they're like a like a eight a nineteen and under you know eighteen and under Euro pro team. They're good. They're they're skilled. They're tough. They got everything. They got maturity. They can score. They, they got pros. They got size. They got everything, man. Uh, I love Samson down at, at Houston and his toughness. Uh, I like some of the things he does as a coach. He's always relevant. If you give him a resources, he is relevant. He's always gonna make noise in the tournament in NCAA basketball. And I love the toughness that he brings. I watched some of his drills. I have friends that work with him and I've spoken with his staff about some of our players in the past. And I, I like the toughness, some of the same drills we do. Baylor, uh, of course, they always stay relevant. I don't have a connection, you know, a personal connection, but Baylor- That's where I graduated. I know, <laughs> I had a friend you gonna say that. I had a friend you gonna say that. Personal connection. My wife likes it because we're a Christian family and she wants our son to, to go to a Christian. She's like, you need to yeah. look at Baylor. You need to, you know, uh, to, to a Christian institution. But Baylor is always relevant. And y'all don't mess around. You know, y'all don't mess around in Texas, man. Y'all going yeah. to make sure that they stay relevant. So, uh, you know, so I, I, Texas don't mess around. They'd be like, one of them Texas teams is going to make noise somehow, some way. And you guys mm -hmm. got, you got two of them in the final four. So uh, hats off to you. You guys made your support. You know, the Texas colleges get a, you know, you get more support because, you know, because, it, you know, you can support them. 
Like the NBA, they're going to be as good as they're going to be or not going to be as good as they're going to be because they are what they are. But you guys are going to make sure you do whatever you can to get those Texas teams popping. And you guys, you represent it this year. So, but I'm going to have to go with UCLA because I'm here at home. And I'm yeah, like out the door and they see the <laughs> podcast and they say, hey, bro, what you, what you talking about? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cronin might want to invite me to a, to be a speaker at, a, at right. a clinic or something. You know, that's he might say, man, I'm not inviting that dude, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, well, coach, we appreciate you so much for joining the show. As always, we're thankful. Very much so. But every time we have a guest, we like to give them a chance to shout out, say any parting words to our audience and people that listen to our show. Well, shout out to all of the supporters who made what we've done. I mean, Netflix and The Last Chance You, the way they put that stuff together, man, it was amazing. Shout out to my wife and my family. Shout out to all the support staff at at East L.A. College that supported us. Um, There's some challenges uh, that surrounded us, but, but then there's also a lot of support that surrounded us. So, so shout out to that, you know, and then ultimately, uh, just letting everybody know, Hey, I'm not perfect. Everybody's giving me all these great affirmations. I'm like, Oh, I'm not perfect, man. I'm gonna make a mistake tomorrow. And you guys are gonna say, coach Mosley, I thought he was this outstanding guy. I'm nervous now, you know, everybody got me on this pedestal, man. I'm not perfect. I'm just a vessel used by, uh, used by God. And so, uh, to God be the glory in everything uh, that I do. Appreciate you so much, Coach. Thank you so much. Amen. And Amen. you can check out this episode on all digital streaming platforms. And also check out the show. If, you, if you're listening and you haven't watched the show, what are you doing? Go watch the show. Streaming on Netflix right now. Coach John Mosley on the Duo Sports and Stuff podcast. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. Have a blessed one. Awesome. Thanks for having me, fellas.